Hey, welcome everyone to episode five of Runtime Reverie. We're here today with uh, Hot Take Patrick, Ever Optimist Craig, and uh, <laughs> your host here. And um, yeah, what are we talking about? What, what sort of uh, topics should we discuss to do with uh, engineering, software, um, random takes on random things that are happening in the world of technology in the last week? Oh, I love, my, my whole week has been deleting code as much code as I can delete. But Craig, don't, don't you get paid to write code? Yeah, don't you get paid to write it? No, I, I actually only published when my when I got like a you know a thousand deletions in like two editions. That's that's my favorite PR. <laughs> Craig's actually got a custom keyboard. It's just got a big delete key on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's the way it should be. But um it's like got to get this stuff upgraded we've been out of date for dependency so we've got a long legacy product at the moment mm. and upgrading it is monumentally difficult where is it is it javascript is legacy like a year old or uh react native actually so many years old from from the dawn of time of react native and um yeah, okay. but you know from features that have been done you know pushing out to market from startup phase through to an acquisition to something more established to doing that sort of stuff and it hasn't been maintained well right and so to actually get it to a spot where we can try to be more modern because there's stuff i can't use anymore that's modern and we really need to do it you know like we don't have proper modal windows popping up we've got our own little ones um you know don't have the gap property in css really love to use that i've got to be on the latest and to get to the latest not fun right mm. every every small little point bump just breaks everything and mm. so the approach has been kill everything just delete delete and delete more and that's paying off dividends hands down is that like a refactoring before you do the upgrade or yeah and we're trying to yeah. do a bit of the upgrade as we're going along and farm out because the code base is so huge you've got to farm out some of this responsibility to everyone turn it into a team sport one person can't do the whole job so like for instance the first thing we did was feature flags that were rolled out to 100 percent but not removed right that's mm. to me an incomplete feature but we did that, right? And you're just going, all right, we did that to take the market opportunity and move forward. That's good. Now we can get rid of it, right? And so, you know, there's like 20 or 30 feature flags, and then we can remove all the branching logic out of that code. So as we upgrade, I don't have to maintain that code anymore because it's not existing. That's really good. And we've got all these other legacy products that aren't being used anymore. We can delete it and just keep deleting. And then magically everything goes better. Yeah. Go faster. The, the works it's really an interesting point in a project's life when you're actually considering removing elements but think think about for me this this makes me think about why it's so important to know the context and the the sort of product reason why you're doing something to really understand why you're building a feature is important because then you can make a good decision and say you know what we don't want to just change this thing we can actually remove it so, or we don't need to optimize that function. Maybe we can just live without that function. Why would we even have it in the first place that maybe we don't need it at this point in time? Right. Have you ever had someone who actually says that, um, we don't know why it was done, but we know it was for a reason. We just don't know what that reason is. So we're just gonna leave it as is. 
you know, all the time. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, they go, oh, all right, that sounds like a game we can play. Let's find out why, you know, and start removing it. And then you find out nothing changes. Um, or there was no test or there was no, you know, no issues or it was for, at that time. But then as you've upgraded things, those problems go away now. So, yeah, there was I mean, these sort of problems. They occur in mechanical in the mechanical world. Uh, I imagine they occur in the sort of in, in other fields as well. Like engineering, I'm sure architecture, it comes up. It also comes up in software. You know, there, there was something that was appropriate last year, but this year it's, it's just no longer relevant. And the best thing to do is to understand what is relevant, what you're trying to achieve, and remove the, the redundant bit. So before you try and optimize, just get rid of and delete the unnecessary thing. I used, One, to, have, I, I used to have a good analogy where like, it was like trying to push a cart up a hill, right? And you wanted to go faster, but each feature is like a rocker in the stone, you know, that right methodology. And the more rocks you have in the cart, the slower it goes. But my new analogy is, I just want to run fast because I've taken up running and the thing holding me back is the extra weight. <laughs> so you just got to trim that weight as much as you can and you will go faster and everything will go better. One one thing I've often wondered, would like to try at a, on a project is A-B testing, but instead of the, uh, so like, you know, A-B test, you've got the control, which is the product as it exists today. And usually there's some sort of alteration or addition. It's actually like the, the test being like removing a feature and see if anyone, like if it affects any metrics, anyone cares, any users complain and just like see if you could get away with like actually um, cutting stuff off the uh, feature list. Well, A-B tests have a lifetime, right? Right, you do the A-B test and then you roll it out, but everything else changes in the ecosystem. So it doesn't necessarily mean that those results are set in stone forever. Like. Um, was explained to me that uh, psychiatric tests, you know, for the research and those sorts of things, the one thing you don't do is try to replicate the study because they often never do. Um, and who knows why, but it's just as time goes on, society changes, other things change, and there's other factors that do it. So, you know, you've got to take things with a grain of salt sometimes. And I think the greatest friend that I've got is product people, right? product people who can actually identify those products that are no longer actually contributing, that aren't really great. And we got rid of a whole batch of stuff around um, uh, SMS messaging. I mean, we've got push notifications these days. And it basically was just a huge anchor around us. And they made the call, we've got to sunset this product and found a way out of the product. And then you can just go through and delete the code. It's such an absolute dream to work with now without all of that baggage in there. Hmm. Do, you, do you find product managers and owners are open to deleting, removing features? Not um, always. Good ones Because it's easy to be uh, conservative, right, and go, well, we don't want to rock the boat. What if this upsets some users? Surely we should be adding stuff to add more value. Um, but often I think... Uh, like every product, you know, marketing and everything is intertwined and there's a story that you're trying to, to um, tell with the product. And so if there's like six features there, but it would actually be a better story having three, I think that's um, going to be a better user experience and that it might increase um, usage of those other three features. It's the secret of Apple, right? The reason Apple does is it does few things and executes brilliantly on those few things. They, what they leave out that makes them really good. Um, the classic story that you've all heard of um, Steve Jobs when he first came back to Apple and he's, he looked at the product line. You've heard this one, right? 
and he says, oh, look, you can't do 20 things. You need to do four things. And he literally does, he has a quadrant. Here are the four different products we're going to build. And that was the sort of beginning of Apple's comeback when he focused on four key things. Um, it's it's really interesting because I've uh, he was at Next before then, Next Computing before then for like 10 years, and he's sort of in the wilderness. And I've seen, I don't know if I'll be able to track it down for the show notes, I'll try and do that. There's, uh, I've seen an advertisement of Next Computers, say probably 95, 96, and he doesn't have that strategy applied. There's just these like products and it's like the Windows XP naming and it's just like this terror it's like which one do i choose do i choose the next computer cube or the next computer cube classic or the the, the pro one and you're like so it's, it's really interesting that he's sort of come in with being this like strategy product strategy god but um there's there's uh well he obviously learned some lessons right he's yeah. learned a lot of lessons because he made yeah. he, he's even admitted like he's made all those mistakes himself that's how he's learned, learned the hard way because next was sort of a commercial failure so um, yeah, I've often found um, a lot of startups I speak to, that's the thing they struggle with. You know, they've been working on something for a year. They want, they need to pivot. It's now hard to let go of the thing you worked on. That, that I think that's that psychological phenomena only gets worse as the business matures and develops mm -hmm. and has more baggage and more history because you eventually get to a point where you might need to sacrifice an entire business unit to, to pursue mm -hmm. a different idea. and. How do you do that? It's, it's just very, very hard to overcome that organizational uh, momentum. It's that, it's that sunk cost fallacy, but not just in terms of money, but in terms of emotional investment as well. Like uh, the feature we're going to tear out is, you know, we've been working on that for a year. And the problem was, was those darn users, they just didn't behave the way we expected, right? And that actually just changed the whole economics of everything. And we've just got to pivot. And we're not a startup, right? So we've got some great features and things that people, and we tried to do something great and it didn't work. But you know, letting go, that decision wasn't done overnight. That took a long time, even though it probably wasn't a black and white decision. Uh, you know, it wasn't, sorry, a level of gray. It was definitely a black and white one. Like it was, the numbers all pointed to one answer, but we just couldn't let go immediately. Yeah. And then what does the strategy look like? And it's courage of some great product people that just goes, we've got to do this now find your way yeah. you know which actually just cleans your whole intellectual slate off as going well now what do we do you know um first you rip out the code right <laughs> after you've sunsetted the product and moved and migrated and looked after your customers but then you can double down on a much narrower focus and actually deliver something much better yeah awesome guys what are we talking about next i have a i have a su suggestion um let's talk about ai regulation and hype <laughs> yeah, okay. That'll be a fun one. It's, that's been in the uh, in the conversation this last week. Oh, I haven't paid any attention. Tell us. No. Okay. Well, okay. No, so then, if you if you're not paying attention, uh, there's this thing called AI. I don't know if you paid attention in 2023, but it's it's sort of big. Um, I was, you know, aside from all the obvious, there's now a lot of people talking about how do we how do we regulate this? How do we get government to come in and regulate to make sure AI doesn't take over the world and destroy the world, just destroy the world. Um, no, seriously. So Europe's talking about regulation. US is talking about regulation. Australia here in our backyard is talking about AI regulation. Um, this is an active discussion. And 
yeah, there's all sorts of perspectives on this. Um, having sort of been working in the AI space for the last six months, I, I have my own take on it. Um, uh, and yeah, having been in software for the last 20 odd years, um, I, I have a, a particular view, but it, it's certainly, I'd, I'd say I'm far less alarmist than most people about AI destroying the world next year. Um, a lot, of, a lot of the regulation. Let's let let hot take Patrick as oh, yeah. hot take. Oh no! I, what, what was Craig going to say? I, I just thought it had echoes of, you know, back in the nineties, two thousands of um, crypto stuff, right? Of uh, regulating on who can have cryptographic um, encryption. You know, in mm. you know, the US, you know, trying to regulate what sort of crypto you were allowed to have, and it was, and they said, you know, it was going to stifle innovation there, and it did. Right, it's just absolutely got a little left behind, and it didn't stop it one bit. Everywhere else picked it up. So, um, man, to me, you go, it's so new. You know, what are you going to regulate against? Because whatever it is now isn't going to be what it is tomorrow, and next week, next year, five years, radically different. Hmm. Okay, you wanted a hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Well, one thing is, it seems like a year ago or two years ago, people were like, this is AI, should we call it machine learning? Sure, we've got this, like, these new models and stuff, deep learning and other ones. I'm not going to say I'm um, particularly knowledgeable, but um, it's not just machine learning now. Like it's sort of um, everyone, these uh, researchers are cooking up new ways. I, so I, I think it's just like the media and everyone just has decided to call this put the uh, flag in the ground and call this AI. And I feel like that still maybe warrants a bit of skepticism because it's just like, it's just a great marketing term. Um, you know, like the models that, um, the transformer models that chat GPT use are incredible. Like they are like a massive step change, but I don't, is there anything artificially intelligent about it? I don't know, like, I'd be curious about your thoughts I'm in on that, but, um, I know the regulation stuff um, from what I've seen, like I don't really trust OpenAI's Sam Altman. I think he wants to get power. I think he wants to entrench himself as one of the um, people that has the license to kill, the license to do AI. And so um, I'm more in favor of open source AI models so everyone can get access to it. Um, and uh, the, those commercial interests aren't um, entrenched by saying, hey, you have to um, use this paid subscription to even access some of these models. So, I mean, that's that's basically the primary danger. If we, I mean, we can spend years talking about AI, but if we just limit to just the conversation or regulation that's happening now, that, you know, you've got these two battles. You, you can see an imagine, imaginary future where a few big companies control everything. They control all the models. They're the only ones licensed by the regulators to even have them. Everyone else, it's illegal. You can't have it. Open source, dead. Or you can imagine the opposite. Open source is actually okay, and you're allowed to do it. And so there's lots of innovation there, lots of players doing it, and it, you know, it's more spread out. Um, and the I think the big danger we have to watch out for with regulating this so early, before we have any, any data or any scientific basis for any real decision is uh, you then create basically an opportunity for um, the the big the big fish in the pond to go and own that space and be the only ones that can play. They're the only ones that can bring the chips to the table. They you know the, the regulatory capture, and before you know it, um, nobody else can play. Yeah, it's, it, 
Oh, it's an in, just quickly, it's an interesting contrast because there's sort of a big um, uh, rallying around against big tech, these big tech companies, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft. Um, don't think Intel's probably counts anymore, but you know, those sort of big, big, but then the, then there's sort of the AI regulation seems to be uh, partly, yeah, to give them the same, to create the next um, generation of. It's big not tech. surprising, right? Like who, who pushes for new regulation? The people who will benefit from it. Yeah. And there's a, there's a byproduct of that regulatory framework in the US as well, where you've got a lot of investment and mm. money flowing into the political system. And you end up with a different regulatory environment within Europe, which is different. And, you know, look, here in Australia, I, I can't think of a, any technology ever where the government has been on the ball and regulated wisely in front of a technology. I don't think it's ever happened. It's always trailing by a long way. Um, and by, by them trying now, they're, they're not ahead of the curve. They're way behind. And yeah, there seems to, and I've heard some um, concerns about, you know, well, what if places like um, that aren't in the West, like China or whatever, if they have, if they can just sort of innovate, um, innovate ahead of us, and so we'll be left behind. And I, so I don't know if that means like tying one hand behind our backs is going to help in that way. But um, so you may be in um, military aspect at some regulation, some caution is um, warranted. Um, but uh, also at the same time, I think we'll, if we're worried about, say, China uh, leaping over us, it's like, well, because of AI, this artificial intelligence, it's like, are we worried that the Chinese are smarter than us? Like, no one's worried that their education system's twice as good as ours and they're going to outsmart us in that way. So why are we concerned that their computing aspects are going to be um, better? See, I'm not, I'm not against the regulation. You need regulations in certain things when you need the guardrails. Like, could you imagine medicine with no regulations? That'd be absolutely crazy, right? And so you want, so like when you know certain things and you can have a little bit of maturity around those products and stuff, it's okay to do it. You know, we, we started to add things around privacy, um, around data collection and stuff, because we knew where the big companies and the big collectors of the data were using it against people and they needed governments to step in with those regulations and you know we've got to navigate those multi-continental regulatory frameworks but i don't think anyone argues we don't need them except maybe the people who just want to break them the, the problem is when you you try and regulate well ahead of yeah, ahead of the curve what the hell you're trying to regulate yeah right right, right now uh, you know saying hey look craig you're not allowed to run that large language model sorry it's illegal in fact go to jail yeah. you, you shouldn't have done it it's you know, it, it's it's actually very similar to this. You know, the, the thing you started with, which is back when it was in the early two thousands with um, uh, uh, encryption, right? So it was you couldn't export more, you know, one hundred twenty eight bit encryption out of the US because it was a it was like a nuclear missile or something. You couldn't couldn't do that. So. Yeah, I, I think actually the Open SSL library actually came out from one bloke in Australia or something. You know, because he was outside that regulatory framework. Um, could be corrected, but that was my memory. Yeah, I mean, the argument they used at the end of that was interesting, if I remember, right? It was, um, oh, the, the, you know, we can't ship encryption out of the US because then the bad guys could get encryption and do stuff without us knowing what they're doing. Yeah. Right? The, the counter argument is, well, without encryption, we can't secure our own stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, no. And also, sure, like a lot of those algorithms are developed by the NSA or were sponsored by them. So it seems like 
um, you know, with the Edward Snowden stuff coming out, like maybe there's a different <laughs> angle to why they wanted to control that as well. Well, but, they, but a lot of those controls didn't work, right? They tried to come up with a clipper chip, you know, where you could use uh, a, a US government-sponsored chip that would do it, and then that way they control the good guys get it and the bad guys don't. You go, no one trusts you to be the good guys. But, you know, what, what we're seeing right now with with this tech is, and it is just tech, it's just a bit more software, it's slightly more complicated than what we had before. We're seeing a lot of people trying to do lots of different things with it to see what what is what is going to be really really powerful and what's going to be helpful to us. A lot of that will disappear if if they're not allowed to do that anymore. All that innovation will just stop, and that would be very sad to see. You know, you're, you're essentially and, and the cat's out of the bag, right? If if we're not doing it, somebody overseas somewhere will be doing it. Um, well, what's your opinion on the models? Because you've been playing around with the stuff for quite a few months. Like, has it? Um, did, were you quite excited, but you saw limitations now, or did, yeah? How do you see it? Uh, I, the the there's just a plethora of options now. Uh, every, every big company has them. Every uh, every if if you look at the you know the open source. Uh, sort of indie space there's tons and tons of experimentation tons of options um you can run a model on a tiny little device yourself or you can run it on a huge huge thing by, by a big provider um what i think is interesting okay so from my perspective one thing that is not discussed often is what you know for example we started working with um openai api right at the start the and what we didn't anticipate at the beginning was they're constantly changing this thing. Mm. So we, you know, we made an application that uses it in a particular way and it was working. They changed the way the model answers things, our application breaks. Right. So uh, all, all of a sudden you've got this significant dependency issue. You, you've essentially got a dependency that's not versioned. Mm. Right. This isn't going from ChatGPT 3 to 4. Uh, they just changed change what how it behaved because of whatever reasons yeah and i think they've since added some sort of um you can sort of um what's the word lock it to a particular subversion now but i'm not sure like how long those models will stay around but i think you can sort of say like on the state this model so you have that sort of issue but you know it's, it's not just them so uh right now uh amazon google all the other big players have have their own own models there's lots of smaller businesses making custom models there's just there's just so much optionality in terms of what you you know what you can choose. Um, I think it's exciting. I think it, there's there's just a lot of interesting innovation. There's a ton of VC money flowing into space. It's it's interesting. Uh, it would be sad to see regulation stifle all this and to see that uh, experimentation move somewhere else because that's what will happen to it. It'll go somewhere else. Like I, I think all this backlash against crypto in the US is going to move crypto overseas to other countries. That's that's what cryptocurrency sort of the modern not the crypto stuff that we're just saying with the encryption is that what you mean? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so moving to modern, you know, the, just in the last few months, the U.S. government's decided to go hell for leather, um, fighting, uh, fighting all these uh, cryptocurrencies, and they're just all moving. Hmm. You just need to label your new startup. I mean, um, you know, something with Web three and uh, AI and VC backed. Yeah, new company dot AI dot blockchain. Yeah, just just add it all in there, and you've got it all covered. <laughs> Buzzword bingo. Yeah, it doesn't do anything, but it's got all the buzzwords. There was a great great cartoon about that recently. 
What did you say? Blockchain AI, but I've got fifty dollars here. Like I'll be in your first what, investor. What is that? So, I haven't yeah. said I sold. <laughs> cash in so many years. I've sold my first token. <laughs> you generated it yet? <laughs> oh, the devil! My offer. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, best website ever. Put this in the show notes, Pat. Uh, Web three is going great. Oh yeah, that's a good one. It's a yeah. classic. If anyone hasn't seen it, go check out Web3 is going great. I added it to my Twitter feed just to, you know, give me a, a laugh every day. Yeah. Is it time time for our links? Links, yes. Ex interesting things people should check out. What, what Anything interesting we found this last week? All right, I've got one. Because right, I've been... I've got an AI one, but go ahead. No, no. Yeah, I'm not AI. Um, I haven't found a good use for it yet. Um, apart from searching help docs so that people can say, hey, do you have a component that looks like a spinner? Um, that seemed like a cracking idea. Well, give them a chat bot, feed it our help docs. But no, um, I was looking at a config plugin from um, uh, Evan Bacon, I think it is, from Expo. And like just every now and then you just get like a tweet in your feed and you look at it and you're just going, I didn't know you could do that. Right, and it was actually just editing the settings in the settings page rather than in your app. You know, for all these years, I've been doing it the other way around. I've just gone, oh, I've got to share that with you guys. Then I've realized I'm sharing the wrong thing. Just follow his Twitter feed, right? That's the thing you should just follow because there's just some people in this world who just produce great work. And anytime they, you know, you can see them going on their work basis and they're doing it out in the open and each thing that they do, you just go, oh, I've got to, I've got to take that. That's so good. So I'll put his link in the notes, but his whole feed, is my show show note fantastic especially around react native expo stuff is that what his sort of focus is yeah he does like the expo cli and the expo router so he's taken the expo router from something that was quite imperative to something that was html like with the tags and reactish uh to now it's like page-based navigation and and the likeness between that and next.js's page-based routing is very very close so you can just literally make a, a folder going you know round brackets tabs and then you've got the tab bar down the bottom and and then underneath that it's just such an exceptional piece of work didn't get there overnight it was just a lot of hard work to get there so he just produces such a great amount of work love it my one for the week is a is a, is a funny one one of the new top 1000 websites on the planet is beta.character.ai have you seen that no <laughs> Go check out beta.character.ai. It's, it's called Character AI, and it's essentially a, a, you know a, an AI chatbot with a particular character. So you can say, I'd like to talk to um, an artist, a therapist, an architect, a, you know, whatever, or a personality. I'd like to talk to Elon Musk, or I'd like to talk to, you know, name your favorite favorite historical figure. And it will create an AI chatbot with that type of personality, and then you can sit there and talk to it. I, I created one for, as a what was it? I think I, I tried a, a personal trainer, and I just started talking to it, and it was it was talking like a personal trainer. It's interesting. Interesting. How many they've got Clippy? <laughs> <laughs> um, my pick is uh, Tailwind UI. So um, we've got a new website, runtimereverie.com, and we use the Tailwind UI, um, which is a paid service. And um, so we use their transmit um, template. And so that gives you a Next.js um, 
template which you can then tweak and add your content and um, images and so forth. And they just updated to the app router, which was interesting. So um, that was a nice way to try try that out. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Sounds good, folks. And uh, we'll uh, catch you all next week. Cool. See you next week.